Assalamu alaikum and peace be with you and welcome to this way's edition of Pathways to Peace, a live show which takes an analytical look at the current issues and trends affecting us all, trying to find as much needed answers to attain political peace, economic peace, social peace and inner peace. My name is Nasser Sajjad and I'm your host for today's programme and joining me today is fellow Pathway to Peace presenter Asif Ashraf. For today's show, we will talk about the recent spate of industrial action that's been happening across various industries, their effect, effectiveness, and of course the Islamic principle in relation to it. We have the well-publicized rail strikes, the nurses strikes, and uh, in the past we've had post office strikes, and we've got more coming up, um, teachers strike, firefighters, junior doctors, um, more train strikes and under underground. And, you know, it's, it's taking us back maybe to how things were in the 1780s, we had loads of strikes. Um, so Asif, uh, welcome to the show. Peace be with you. Yeah, thank you. Um, these strikes, um, you know, what's what's the re what's the reason for them? We've got so many happening at the moment, and we've got lots of strikes. And you know, it's usually paying conditions. We've got different, you know, sometimes it's you know um, safety. You know, in the past, there's been kind of safety concerns that people have been trying to address. But a lot seems to be happening in paying conditions. What is it about today and nowadays that so many different industries, you know, unrelated industries are striking in this way? Well, I think it boils back to if we look at situations over the last, say, 12 to 15 years, um, in theory, in principle, we haven't had uh, that many strikes through the, that overall period. Um, the culmination of strikes is, is coming bottlenecking at the moment in time now and 2020 at the end of December. Um, and one of the, well, you've got to look at the, the issue over that period of time. I think many, much of this comes out of the origination of the financial crisis in 2008. Uh, post that particular period of time, there was a lot of issues around uh, getting the economy back together in a period of austerity. Austerity kicked in and austerity, what austerity meant was certainly within the public sector, you had restrictions on pay and pay uh, conditions, you know, those restrictions in terms of um, pay improvements as well. So I think there was only literally 1% improvements at best for, for public sector workers through most of that period of time. And then you culminate that with uh, a slight relaxation and the uncertainty that came with Brexit. Brexit brought its own little problems, as we can say, along the way. Um, the economy was obviously contracted to some to some extent with Brexit, but predominantly that was masked by the impact of the pandemic. So the pandemic then caused another situation where we had this concept of key workers. So our public sector workers became important key workers. We mm -hmm. clapped for them on certain days to encourage them along and show our support for them. And along with that, we had a situation more recently um, post, let's say, pandemic um, lockdown situations, we, we came across a situation where um, we had a conflict in Ukraine and Ukraine was a, a key component to, to triggering what is rising fuel costs. Uh, and fuel obviously impacts the accessibility of uh, food, the cost of food, cost of actually transportation. Everything has a direct, seems to have a direct impact on on costs related to, to fuel. Um, and then also we had this issue of, of fuel scarcity where um, there were obviously sanctions on Russia and its um, provision of fuel and gas. That's caused a huge challenge to people in general. Um, and then also probably one of the other key drivers to this situation, we've, we've had a growing level of inflation as a result of all of this. We also had a more recently, a, a, we define as a, a botched financial budget um, by uh, a, a recent uh, government. Um, and from that situation, we've exacerbated uh, the situation with interest rate rise, which basically now gives people's additional pressure on their household expenditure through perhaps rising rents, rising mortgage rates, etc. The impact on them now is the average worker, the average person who's trying to um, sort of get by on the breadline, basically, is having higher costs, basic of cost of living standards have gone high for them, but their pay has not in any way, shape or form followed that. And we're not talking about um, small growth. I mean, inflation essentially is, is double digit, it has been for many months now. 
So we are also now in theory also in, in a recession. I, as the Bank of England's definition of recession is two quarters of, of uh, negative growth and, and essentially we've got that. And in similar situation, um, the way our current government will try will try to manage this situation is through managing inflation as the primary focus uh, with interest rate rises, which will further put pressure on people's uh, incomes and disposable incomes and the ability to afford food and of, of the ability to actually heat their homes. Um, so this really is essentially a culmination of factors that come into place. I mean, you could argue also other external factors like China's impact on the world in terms of its ability to remain in lockdown is also a challenge for world growth as well. So growth is certainly not happening in most European countries, but certainly in the UK, it's a culmination of those issues. It's a culmination of mismanagement of the economy. The fact that you can't grow it through through Brexit and through the, the access to your biggest market that you have on your doorstep, um, that's been restricted somewhat. And you've got this whole issue of a very cold winter as well that makes things a lot worse. So this is how we, where we've got to the pressure points that have caused um, key workers and workers in, in general, like the areas and sectors that you've talked about, come to a point where they've turned to their unions and they've turned to unions with the view that saying they want a collective action to, to uh, come to this point where they want to make, have change. But not all strikes are related to this issue of um, pay and conditions, etc. There are such actions by the Royal Mail is around literally changing their whole current contract that they have with the government, with a, sort of the Royal Mail as, a, as an entity, and almost that their contract being changed almost into this sort of zero-hour contract scenario where they become almost like a an Amazon driver, essentially, with their own um, vans or maybe their own set up and, and no sort of guaranteed work or pension to which they previously did have. So their contracts are being changed or potentially being changed as a result of uh, their, and that's why their industrial action is slightly different from, from some of the others. Whereas in the case of nurses, they haven't had a, a sensible pay rise for um, many, many, many years. And, and they feel they've got to the point where they need to make an, a change. And currently, obviously, they're explaining how there's almost 40 odd thousand vacancies within the nursing world at the moment. Um, and, you know, th that's a reflection of the people leaving that sector in droves. They um, also have complained about how they haven't had the opportunity to have those discussions with their employers as well. So recently, 100,000 nurses just, you know, left and, and went on strike. That's a huge amount of people that have gone out of the health sector. And the implications of all of that are, are quite huge as well. So there's a huge thing that happened. And up to yeah, October, um, we've already lost something like 1.2 million working days of uh, in the UK as a result of strikes that have happened in the five months up to October, which is a huge amount. But it doesn't necessarily show the amount of uh, the level of industrial action that happened in you know in the 70s. You had almost 30 odd million working days that were lost in the in 70s and 80s. So that was a huge amount of working days lost in those two particular periods. Both those two particular periods have a big bearing on, on what's going on today as well, I think. I mean, that period you're talking about, I think they term it the a winter of discontent, right? Um, Certainly the ones in the late the 70s, 70s and 79. Yeah, when we saw, saw, the, we saw the Conservatives come in at that point, right? Um, yeah. And... Um, you know, it's an interesting comparison because if you just uh, looking at this um, article, I was looking at the Guardian, it actually, you know, very kindly listed all the strikes that are happening or are going to happen. Um, you know, um, in December alone, you've got uh, rail strikes, um, RMT, you've got the nursing strike, which happened this week, um, yeah, teacher strike. Um, we've got upcoming rail strikes coming on. Uh, they've listed about five or six in December, more than five or six in December. They've almost had a, defined it as also an advent calendar of strikes, basically. It is, yeah, it yeah. Every day you open up, you get a new chocolate, you get a new strike, right? Um, so, um, 
you know, it's 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 almost comparable. It's you know, we got we have got di- direct comparisons, and I think one of the things it kind of highlights. I mean, aside from the strike action, we can go into the need to strike in a minute, which you know you've you've laid out. We know the causes, or we know some of the causes, um, but that need to strike, uh, people being pushed, you know, by all the conditions that you just mentioned, pay, um, inflation government's handling of it is this an indication is this an indication of where we are into in terms of that disparity between say those in authority and the worker the people who are working because you know if i'm just bringing one of the islamic principles there's an obligation um okay firstly there's an obligation to have obedience to authority we know that and this Everything we're talking about in terms of strikes, these are kind of legal routes that are being taken. It's not illegal to strike. Um, uh, there are legal routes, uh, but you know that we do, as as Muslims, uh, have um, uh, an obedience to authority. Should have obedience to authority, but there should be an obligation to uh, by the authorities to to the worker. Uh, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with that. So are we seeing, because of these strikes, a point at which that authority is now, you know, not holding the obligation, holding true to the obligation that they have to that worker uh, and sort of almost abandoning it? It feels like abandonment because, you know, like you said, I mean, if we take the nurses one in particular, the nurses pay is is not a new phenomenon. It's something that's come up over years and years and years and doesn't seem to improve. Hearing stories of Nurses having to go to food banks, um, given the the role they play in society, is quite distressing. It's quite upsetting, you know. Um, I, I'm saying from a personal point of view, people, you know, some people I know who are nurses and you know who have helped me in the past, you know, to know that they're having to now struggle to help themselves when they help others so much, you know, I don't think these are the kind of people who would want to strike. They have, they have, you know, they serve people now they're having to be forced in the position to have to Absolutely. stand up to the government so you Absolutely. know I, I, talk about rail I, I was, as well but um i think that's kind of an important issue is what about the you know the authorities obligation to people like the nurses i think that's quite clear i think you raised a really interesting analogy with the nurses because of all the workers that you see you it's seldom that you ever hear of, of nurses striking. It's kind of an, I don't think I maybe on one occasion I could I in my lifetime think of a time when nurses have opted to, to strike and even that at a relatively small scale. So my kind of view of it is when it's got to that point when nurses have to strike, you really got to a point where things aren't, aren't good for, you know, there is something more wrong in the system than just um, you know, somebody's pay not being good or people, you know, being je- greedy with, with pay. It's not, it's obviously not that. Because you obviously, if you go into the nursing profession, you tend to think people go into that profession with a sense of uh, a duty and care and uh, a, a kind of a sense of decency towards other hum- human beings. Right. And you know, pay isn't necessarily the most important thing to, to a person who is in the care profession. It's important, but it's Generally speaking, you can earn more money doing other things, right? Yeah. So, that, you know, they got that duty of care that you mentioned, which is exactly uh, right. It's, yeah. it's, so, when you bring somebody of that kind of background to a point of striking, then something is something something is wrong in that scenario, and then you have to then look at the situation: was is there a, um, a lack of care and responsibility from the the government or the you know the employers of this instance? in this to, to to act accordingly and and one of the arguments that the government was will obviously use is saying that they've got a, a set allocation of resources and if they increase the amount that they give then they have to take it from somewhere else so it's basically saying there's only one size of cake and you know it's going to you're going to take a slice from somewhere else it could be you know costs on on hospitals or on, on other infrastructure it could be costs on on other you know, materials and resources that are used in within the NHS. So the argument here is is that their government is actually trying to say its hands are tied in this instance, and that literally you have to rob 
Peter to pay Paul essentially if, if the nurses want any more than that, that they're doing. And obviously they're using the um, the uh, you know the pay body as an example of how they can say well there's already an agreed accepted rate from this pay body that will say that this is how much they should be accepting this particular thing that can be somewhat um skewed in terms of how they've come to that point but it's fair to say that even that may not be enough really to to stop the the bleed as you say within the nursing profession and we come to that point and it's not just a case of the establishment not um responding to to workers this is a we're not just talking ordinary workers, we're talking about people who are who are working in, in normal professions that we would say are trying to make ends meet and they are they are you know facing fuel poverty and, and food poverty in, in some respects, as you highlighted. And you know, this is across the board, across a number of key workers and people who are actually seen as as of our lifeblood of our, of our economy. So what's happening here is essentially speaking, is not a case of a clash of establishment or institutions versus you know the workers it's it is literally a case of we've pushed ordinary working people who are facing these challenges to a brink to a point where this is an action they need to take and, and that's that's where we've got to and um, you're right but there's oh, there's when it comes to a strike there's other people involved there's the the consumers of that industry let's say you know i mean Obviously, in the nursing, in, uh, within nursing NHS, we're talking about patients who could be affected. You know, people's lives could be affected. Of course, uh, yes. So you know, and, and I'm sure this this consideration has been uh, has been um, taken place by the nurses. They've thought about these things. Um, but you know, affect and even you know when we talk about train strikes, people going to work, and you know, I think uh, some strikes are planned over sort of the Christmas period, which a lot of people are, you know you know feeling shouldn't shouldn't happen because of because it's that period where they need the yeah. transport um so you know there's people who the, the effect of that is not just the people who work in that industry and that dispute that they have with the with the government or their employer it's the people who are it's the consumers of the industry basically as well so you know the, the, there's, there's wider considerations that need to be taken places so you know is there a is there room for sort of further negotiation or and, and, and I'm, the reason I'm coming on to that is because a lot of the times when we hear, and then, you know, it was just interesting when I heard, and it's about public opinion, which you mentioned earlier on, is on the radio, you know, they said further disruption to industries are about to happen because of strikes over Christmas. What they didn't talk about was why people are feeling the need to strike. Um, so obviously it kind of affects you emotionally straight away. You think, well, hang on, I need to use the train or I need to do this. It's going to affect me. So I'm, you know, it's suddenly that opinion towards the strike is suddenly, you know, warped a little bit. I mean, what's your take yeah, on that? I, mean, the, I, I think strikes always played out in the, the court of public opinion, really. And, and this is where we've always noticed how court of public opinion is, is a key driver to how not just that each party is perceived, um, it is, is one of the key drivers to how you actually get to a resolution. So what you will find here is the kind of language and the, the terminology being used out there. And for example, you know, we do get some, you know, press vilification of union leaders out there at the moment. So, you know, we paint these individuals as as troublemakers. You will paint these people as, as you know, look, I mean, the, the nurses, for example, will be painted as, uh, people who will put people's lives at risk. In other words, patients' lives are at risk. People who have been waiting for appointments and so forth are at risk. You know, there there's so much disruption to the pain and anguish that those people who have been waiting for things to happen. They're you know they're, they're upset. There you've got the economic stagnation that might come out of strikes that happen to people not being able to get to work, etc. So this whole thing about that how it will impact the wider community and making those people feel as though they can turn on the strikers in some respects and and this is the kind of the approach that's taking and, and all of it is about putting pressure on each other so in the same way you know the nurses are very careful about how they i'd be very interested how the, the nurses have uh, portrayed themselves and, and many of the union leaders have talked very openly about always wanting to go to the negotiating table always trying to have you know nurses in the ICUs, the key kind of wards, making sure that they're kind of staffed to some extent. 
and making sure there is some sort of cover there that not all lives are at risk in this regard. You know, and, and similarly speaking, you know, ambulance workers as, as well have, a, have an approach towards this. But the reality is that they're very careful about what they say and how they come across and how that they, it reflects in, in the court public opinion about things. And, you know, we, we're seeing those things come through. But at the same time, you know, the government is also key to, to, to point out that, you know, the hands are tied, there's limitations. It's not necessarily their directly their problem. It's, it's, it's used elsewhere. They they will turn around and say they've got a fair fair package in front of people. And the reality is is that what defines fair in somebody's being you know somewhat uh, without for quite some period of time, it may be paltry rather than fair in some regards. So the question here is is that you know the government have faced a stiff challenge if they cave in to some of these um, strikes, they will end up caving into a lot, and if they cave into a lot, then they will face this issue of inflation so it's a tough one to fix but they've left themselves in a situation that they could have resolved this in other ways earlier on in the process a lot more easily and now it's come to a bit of a head um but the reality is it's a it's a court of public opinion that's going to help sway things but people are i think also conscientious of not playing that that card too much you know not coming across as though being blatantly vilifying uh, one party or the other. Yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting because, you know, there's some sort of key figures when you hear about strikes, you know, union leaders. Um, and they seem to get, you know, it was interesting to me how someone like um, Mick Lynch, you know, um, who has been um, his character. He's, He's the union leader for union, the... R- RMT union, right? RMT, right? Yeah. RMT union. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. I meant Micklech, the RMT union leader. Sorry, I should mention him. His role, um, and he's come across on you know TV and radio as quite articulate. Um, yeah, I've seen a huge sort of, and I'm not taking sides here. I'm, I'm really trying to just see it from the point of view as someone who's watched and listened, and you know he's come across as someone who's from that you know working class i you know i don't really want to use that term but that from the worker side he's come across as someone who's quite articulate knows what he's doing uh holds strong views yet what i've seen is there's been a strong kind of character assassination um and a lot of the talk about it has been him as a person and what he is like as opposed to what he's asking for from the other side um and and then by the other side, I mean the media, and and, and you know it's it's just strange for me because it, it was almost like what I'm hearing is one person who's kind of talking about what they want, and on the other side I'm hearing, you know, he looks like this or he acts like this or his Twitter profile is like that, and you know those aren't the things I'm interested in, you know, um, you know he's he said, he said many times that uh, the employers haven't come to the negotiation table. He's actually said I, I mean I saw him on TV say you know people were not telling the truth when they said that they they refused to meet him on the negotiating table when on in on TV they were saying they were you know so there seems to be this when you talk about court of public opinion um you know you have sort of key figures like him um who are, who are being uh, whose uh, character is being kind of um, decimated a bit I agree with you on that side but I think this is where you know the issues of the 80s and the minor strike particularly looms over any of the strikes at the moment and one of the things there is that in the 80s we had another union leader called Arthur Scargill who went through this point of being a very powerful union leader to being completely crushed through the a long drawn out process of the minor strikes in the 80s and obviously the legacy of that still exists and much of way people are portraying themselves are conscientious of how they come across and old union leaders i think are, are conscientious of that situation in, in the background and how union leaders are to a large extent can be vilified and broken by governments with a with a key you know intention to to uh, break the powers of unions and so forth so in the 70s the strikes were very around very much around where strong unions would strike at very little kind of issues and and that would cause a big issue whereas in the 80s the focus was very much around breaking the unions and that breaking of the unions strength meant you know corporations and industries were actually more empowered and were able to sort of 
um, have less issues or labour related issues going forward. Obviously, that had an an impact, and, and but it also impacted a lot of people's ability to have workers' rights as well. And so this issue overall looms over today, today as well. Um, you know, and there is sometimes talk within uh, the press around um, how the government we wish to use new powers to to curb strike action, uh, and some of that may well be around where they're not necessarily going to be able to say at this moment on what those things are exactly, but they may feel by talking about it, it to see whether the public opinion is supportive of those kind of approaches. So again, it's something that goes into the court public opinion. And again, it's something around, very much around seeing who, you know, how they will face up to the history of the 80s as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the other... Yeah, go on, Karen. I was going to say, I think when, when we, you know, we're, our show is really around Pathway to Peace and... I'm not sure where you touched upon this. One of the key considerations and concerns about what we are facing around here is the social peace issue, our area which we're always concerned about. I think you know, people who have lived through the 80s will know how devastating that those strikes were on and the actual outcome of those strikes were on the communities. Yeah. Because remember, there's when people do strike, they don't get paid. No, um, they're they're you know, somewhat supported a little bit by the unions, but... In reality, those communities, and certainly those communities where coal mining communities were devastated by the outcome of those. And, and those strikes deliberately resulted in, you know, confrontation between police and protesters and picket line workers. And some of those were deliberately were, were deliberately caused. And that was deliberately there to to make the strikers, you know, look like they were protesting a rebellious. And, and that's not necessarily always the case. So those breaking of those communities and breaking of the unions and the impact that that had on societies created both a north-south divide issue, um, distrust of the establishment and the government. It was it was a horrible time, I think. And, you know, the fact that the government won in that instance there um, may have felt that it was some sort of victory, but in reality, it, it did crush whole communities in the UK. And that's something which we need to be concerned about today because these strikes if they don't achieve anything they don't get a, a resolution then a strike leads on to other actions and there can other consequences of those actions and that's really what our biggest concern should be around so i mean yes it's it's, it's interesting because and you're right you're absolutely right because instead of dealing with the strikes i'm i'm i've been hearing about tougher new laws that are coming in place that will make certain strike I, I don't know what those law i keep hearing about tougher new laws but i don't know what the actual law is going to be uh to make strikes uh, uh illegal maybe or certain strikes illegal or there'll be certain legalities around it but i don't know what that is yet. i can't i haven't seen it outlined as to what that actually means we're just hearing that there'll be tougher new laws so instead of dealing with the issues that are causing people to strike it seems they're giving them the inability to strike which will make it illegal and then they're in a tough place then because they'll be acting illegally illegally and you know it's, it's it could take and, and it, again i think once that happens aren't we going back to that uh that you know back to the 80s when it then that again affect communities or affect people maybe we're not, when we talk about nursing or rail workers you know we're not talking about certain communities now we're talking lots of people across lots of different communities uh, being affected if they lose their jobs, they lose their right to actually speak when there's something that's you know they needs to be spoken about or when they need a collective voice, because the worry is that suddenly you know the union will lose strength and they won't have you know as an individual a worker may not have much strength when they're employed but as part of a union at least then they got a voice, and if laws come you know are brought in against them and then they're forced out illegally, it's it's almost hard to see the government's position on this whereas you know as muslims you know we you know we want we we're obedient to the law we're obedient to the government of the country we're in we obey the local laws you know we have to do that but if it's made tougher and tougher for people who then are not muslims you know they're going to go down that route of doing something illegal right well yeah i mean you 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 force people to tough make tough decisions don't you and so, so it's, and that can happen that can be a situation where you know what will people be forced to do if 
they can't pay their bills, they're in debt, they the only hope is a union to help get them a pay rise and get them out of their predicament. And that's going to be a tough choice for people to make, right? But hopefully we don't get to that situation. But, you know, we always talk about pushing people to the service, but the reality is the employers or the government in certain cases, in this case, have an obligation to ensure that people don't get to that, that situation. And it's really around those obligations, uh, the failings of, of, of government and employers. If people are pushed to strikes, our aspect is really about demonstrating the failings of those employers to not live up to their obligations to workers. Um, you know, one of the interesting um, hadiths of the Holy Prophet that always comes to mind um, is that, you know, you should, um, the Holy Prophet advocated, you know, you should, you should pay your worker um, what you owe them, even before their sweat dries, right? So that's a really an interesting statement in terms of this idea of, you know, not, not that you you pay them what you've agreed, and you pay them in a manner which is on time and quickly. So you do not put them in any hardship or any difficulty in waiting or having to even ask for something that comes through. So, you know, what one one of the things we we look at when we're Muslims is about you know the the treatment of workers is really important and some of this yeah. also comes from how how you know you know it's not, we, we talk about if you look at the slave trade or the, the islam's attitude to slavery is a very interesting analogy because islam very much um removed slavery from arabia as a result of its uh, approach to slavery without necessarily um, causing a civil war or any civil uprising as a result of it. And its approach was was interesting in the sense that even though it outwardly did not um, uh, say slavery was illegal, what it did was actually made the conditions to for a Muslim to, to have a slave such that it was, you know, you had to have parity bet between you and your slave. You know, what you wore, what you ate, where you slept, the conditions you kept somebody in as a slave was almost on parity, but it also said to free a slave uh, was was noble and, and great gesture. So people were inclined to to free slaves for the for the nobility and for the uh, the benefit they would give them from a, from that point of view of feeling as as though they were responsible and and acting in a, in a Islamic way. But that same approach about how you treated them also went to workers and servants that you may employ under you. So what you eat, what you dress, how you behave, what you have, what is good for you is good, should be good for your workers kind of approach. That kind of idea of not having a double standards between you and your employ employees was one of the key things there. And that that is testament to how you know, an Islamic approach towards treatment of employees is, is very important. So. You know, conditions that we put people through is important, but pay is also important because pay defines how you live, right? And if you can live in a, as an employer, can live in a nice place doing the, you know, getting all the things that you want and having a, a, a good life in your home, then you should want that for your own employees, right? Absolutely. And the government yeah. should, should, should have that objective in mind to do yeah, that. And this is where uh, sort, of, sort of going into this Islamic side of things, um, you know, uh, there's, uh, if, if, I, if I can just uh, draw on um, a question that was asked of the fourth head of our community, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, and he was the fourth caliph of uh, Islam Ahmadiyya, um, uh, uh, Mirza Tahir Ahmad, his name was, and you know, he said there's no, within Islam, he said there should be no reason for strikes because he was, you know, he's asked the question about strikes, should strike action be allowed? And he said those in authority need to look after those, uh, their workers and workers shouldn't uh, withhold labour and obedience to authority, but governments need, shouldn't be ignorant of the workers' requirements. And he gave the example, and, I, you know, you've given it, already given an example in the history of Islam. Uh, another one, which is a very famous one, actually, is of the second caliph of Islam, after the uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, uh, where his the second caliph, uh, Umar, Hazrat Umar, um, yeah, used to walk around at night to see if there was any issues or discord that needs to be addressed. Uh, so you know he needed to be he wanted to be aware of um, you know any issues that he needs to address. 
and I suppose bringing that into the kind of the modern day world, obviously, you know, things are bigger than at his during his time, you know, it kind of gives you the idea that people need to be aware of what's happening in, in the issues. And this is where I think it's breaking down because maybe the government hasn't got their air to the ground or maybe it's so, you know, um, disunited in terms of that disparity between the authority uh, or the ruling class or something and, and then the workers that um, they haven't got their air to the ground as such and they're not seeing what their, their people, the people who have voted them in, need. And that's where it's that's where it's being missed. They're not listening out for the issues that people need. Uh, and the current um, head of the community of the uh, um, um, Ahmadiyya community, uh, Mirza Masur Ahmed, His Holiness said that um, you know the main cause behind strike was the failures to give others their due. He said he said this is in 2016 in a Friday sermon in the, one of the Friday sermons that he gives. He said government employees. Um, do not fulfill the responsibility to their subject employees and vice versa, which is the cause of tension. He said the teaching of Islam in this regard is that if you treat, and this is coming back to what you were saying, so the teaching of Islam in this regard is that if you treat others like your brothers and strive to give them their dues accordingly, then the system of the world will never go wrong. And when it comes to claiming one's rights, one should seek recourse through lawful means rather than uh, protests and strikes. And I suppose that means sort of illegal protests, illegal strikes. Um, and um, so, you know, just as you said, uh, the Prophet, uh, peace be upon him, gave, you know, slaves rights, you know, bring them to equal standards as the people who sort of, let's say, their owners. Uh, you know, we're saying now that, you know, workers need to be given their due rights just as if as if they're your brother. So and, and that's what seems to be missing. And, you know, again, and that's the worrying thing about these strikes is not the fact that people are striking, but it's the fact that there seems to be this growing distance between the government, which we've seen in recent times. And I don't know if I'm fair in saying this, and, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there seems to be this, uh, we've seen in recent governments, this um, sort of elite kind of eaten, educated, uh, billionaire class who are ruling over everyone else and maybe are missing the point that there are people who are in need. I mean, and, and you know, this is um, sort of one of the main causes by the four strikes is the failure to give others their due. You know, employers are not fulfilling and governments are not fulfilling their duties to the workers. I mean, how, to, how true, true do you think that is? There is an element of, an element of perhaps detachment from the hardships that people face. You could argue that case, but others might say, that um, you might feel some members of, of this government do have a more compassionate outlook, right? Let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And that says, mm -hmm. you're right, on one level, you, you have got a certain Etonian class of, of individual made me somewhat protected by or immune to the, the hardships others might face. And that, that can be there, that may be true. But reality all is that not always the language is is what it used to be in a kind of derogatory way of looking down at workers that sometimes they might opt to push that little, the line a little bit yep but that's what would be one of the key drivers and indicators of making people who are in those professions the demeaning of them in terms of what they might want to do i mean one of the challenges that one of one particular mp may have sort of suggested as recently is that to increase the number of ability for patients to to have um you know the hospital stays that they could increase the number of beds in hospitals and reality is is that it sounds like you know one particular mp mentioned this point but reality is is that obviously that's a very naive point considering the fact that there are already situations where people in hospitals are in on trolleys in corridors and so forth that's the sort of state of affairs that are health services got to at some point so it's about manning having the space for those beds and having the people to staff it and man it and because you, a bed is not a bed without all of the equipment and the support that goes with it so the reality is that some of our leaders are detached some of them are probably more in tune than we give them credit for the harsh reality is, is that i would say you know giving them some a favour in the scars, they've got a hard act to 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 do in terms of managing the challenges of the economy currently, along with 
the requirements and needs of the of the the workers that they have to to be responsible for. Um, they 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 perhaps always need to be open to negotiation. I think one of the key drivers on this one is remaining uh, in a constant dialogue with workers to actually get to a resolution, even if that's one of the hard parts of it. There is elements where, you know, sometimes there's talk of negotiations that haven't been accepted or, or you know, open to negotiation. Nurses have always complained about a lack of negotiation or opportunities to negotiate their pay. I think this is one of the key drivers to succeeding is making sure the channels of communication are open and are respectful in this regards as well. So that will be one of the key drivers to helping resolve it. The idea that they may look at changing, you know, looking at efficiencies along the way, which is typically what governments always push down the idea that efficiencies need to come in uh, response to pay increases. So sometimes that might be one of the drivers to, to getting to where they want to be, but that could risk other aspects of things in terms of people's safety, et cetera, um, and performance levels, et cetera. So there are things to be weighed up in this regards, um, but certainly one of the other areas that they could look at doing and improving on is, you know, being very open with the idea that maybe there, there, there needs to be a tax increase to fulfill the, um, the needs of those individuals. So you can increase the resources through taxation, but the issue will always be that that's not a, a very, you know, politically friendly approach to do at this moment in time. So there's always going to be other areas where they have concerns and considerations on. There could be areas of improving tax loopholes as well. So, in other words, um, restricting, you know, people who are here on non-DOM statuses to pay full tax, etc. There could be areas like that. So who knows? But those are the, the options that could be open to governments to look at. But it will take um, it will take quite a lot of guts to make changes to what they um, previously have already decided not to do. So, um, well, so you know, I suppose what you're saying in effect, and there may need to be some kind of strong arm tactics uh, to resolve the situation, because you know, obviously, when it comes to strikes, arbitration is obviously you know key. You know, one of the things being able to sit down and negotiate. Um, and having that kind of level of discussion is, is key, but it may be that you know we've spoken a lot about the needs of sort of the government over the worker. But what you're saying is maybe there needs to be some, in order for it to work, there would have to be some strong action taken by the by the government by the authority, which the workers will have to accept. Like you're saying, if there's new law, uh, tax laws, if tax has to be raised, uh, if there's things that could affect us, there may need to be that kind of um, strong arm tactics just to overcome these problems, I guess. Um, so one of the things um, I think I also wanted to cover was, um, again, that's very different or the similarities between the uh, 70s and 80s and now, is that after that, we had a lot of um, new laws coming, European laws coming. Uh, which protected workers' right, protected human rights, that kind of thing. And now we're losing that as a result of Brexit. In any in, in way, you know, is that to is that a, a cause? You know, does that give governments more power to then take away workers' rights? Are we now facing a situation where these strikes are coming in because of, you know, decisions that have been made by us, you know, the worker themselves? You know, we voted out, we voted for Brexit. You know, we voted this government in. Okay, we knew, you know, we did it with, you know, you know, we know what they were, you know, they, they've given us their policies, they've told us what it's about. We've gone in there with our eyes wide open. We know who we're voting for. You know, in a way, um, you know, that are strikes necessary? Because now if, if, if we don't like it, if the government has gone back on a promise, say, if now we're not happy with the situation, we'd say Brexit or whatever, you know, we can always go back and vote them out, right? Let's, let's not strike. I mean, striking almost seems... Um, you know, a, a dangerous game to play because, it, you know, a lot of people could lose out, a lot of people could get affected. 
um, it's not desirable, I guess, really, by anyone. It's, it's like I said, people are pushed it. Even the people who are striking probably don't want to. Like you said, they're not getting paid. Um, but, you know, is, are we in a way ourselves to blame? And I'm, I'm just kind of playing that out there, you know, because we voted for certain things to happen that have now led us to the situation. You know, we voted this government. You know, we can't now just say, oh, the government's not listening to us. You know, And they won by a big margin. Remember, in the last general election, it was huge. So, you know, but, you know, is the power within us now to go down that route, say the democratic route, uh, to vote them out if needed? You know, if they're not listening to us, if we're saying the government is not listening to us, well, let's use that at the next election, say, rather than people's lives. Yeah, going back to the point that you made about EU laws, I don't think those laws have, I mean, certainly you could argue that they've come in and and prove things for workers, but you could also argue that sometimes being part of the EU wasn't one of the preferences of the trade unions even because of other aspects that relate to that. So the key kind of of thing around this one here is is that those laws haven't gone, They, they this may be a reason to replace those laws because, you know, the, this government or a, this Brexit ba- um, biased government will, and I, I don't mean that in a necessary derogatory term, I'm just defining them because of their support for Brexit, will perhaps use Brexit, uh, use these strikes to enable new laws that replace the existing um, EU laws. Remember, we haven't... Um, we, we've absorbed those laws into our own laws. They're not just EU laws, they're kind of our laws until we replace them with new laws, essentially speaking. We haven't sort of, you know, ripped it all up and started again. We'll, there'll be laws that we will, we've just adopted them in order to later on replace them as, as laws go. So as it stands, we may have a situation where, you know, we can use examples of, of how workers behave or strikes behave in this situation, this current time, if they seem publicly quite negative or disruptive, then there's more chance that a new law could come into place to, um, you know, reduce even further rights for for strikes to happen, restrict even more chance for people to to have um, another avenue to express their dissatisfaction with their conditions and pay, etc. So we could go down the route where it could be an excuse for worse things or worse laws to come for workers, right? That's one of the ways of looking at it. Um, and I think your other kind of point is, are we to blame? No, I don't think so, because I think, um, you know, that whole thing about people's voting for Brexit was, you know, you could argue it was around sovereignty and, and mitigation of immigration, sure. et cetera. So there was a whole range of other things. Nobody... Um, factor this particular instance into it. I mean, you could argue the case is that, you know, if you had a more compassionate Brexit um, government, you might have better laws for for your workers, right? So theoretically speaking, you know, maybe not, maybe we don't need to. It's always always some buts, you know, there's no kind of hard and fast rule or answer. I mean, yeah, Boris Johnson was always sort of saying, we want, you know, we can move to a, a nation with, which is a higher wage, earning or uh, economy right so the argument here is is that in theory that's what they wanted was a higher wage economy so problem is it's not high wage for public sector as it stands at the moment so yeah that's that's the challenge so um, my guess my guess is at the moment don't think we're really to blame for uh, this situation happening it's more around culmination of all of the factors that have inhibited our economy and the, yeah. the you know, standards of living that have caused these these issues that we outlined quite early on in the in the show. Yeah, I suppose that coming out as we're approaching sort of the end of the end of the show now, um, one of the sort of um, key things I suppose we want to take away from this is that there's obligations on on both sides, I guess. You know, just 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 to kind of keep it fair. Um, there's uh, the obligation of you know the worker to you know. The, yeah, to ensure that they they, they stay in work and they, they continue their labor and to their employer and obedience to the law we know is within islam is is, is key um but you know there's a, there's a nice quote uh, i like from the book the economic system of islam by uh the second khalifa of the Ahmadiyya community his name was Mr. bashiruddin mahmoud ahmad 
And, you know, he said, um, and, he, and he actually was talking about the rights of uh, the rich over the poor. But, you know, we could use it here as well, where it said the re real solution to the problem is that in accordance with the Islamic teaching, uh, the rights of the poor should be safeguarded. So, you know, there is that obligation by people to ensure that the worker or the, the people who are poorer need to be protected and that the host, hopes and aspirations of people should be fostered. So, you know, let's, you know, let's... Um, do what we can to help them, however much we can help them, and no one should be suffering. And, you know, uh, it was just a quite a, a nice quote I wanted to kind of finish on. Um, but other than but that, uh, yeah, go on. I generally think, I mean, that, you know, that idea of the hopes and aspirations of people to be to be sort of protected, I think I remember the right phrase you used on that one, but, you know, that sounds as though it's going above and beyond, just, just beating their, their general conditions of of shelter and food and and whatever those basic yeah i mean it was it was about rich and poor rather than worker and that i, I used there so yeah but that, that uh, argument here is also the case i'd like to the point i'd like to certainly make in this instance is that it's you know that there's a will if there's a will there's certainly a way here right and if if we want a, a government that wants to look at um achieving those things they, they can do it there's methods for them to do it maybe some hard you know bitter pills for them to swallow to do it but they can can do it if they wish to do it and this will be one of the challenges when you say you know when we vote out or somebody chooses to vote out this government because of its inability to to deal with this economic crisis or, or workers crisis whatever the challenge will also be on, on those who are taking over from this particular government and, and whoever does or even if it's the same government the challenge will be is how you you address the, the challenges of workers into the next next government as well that will always be there and i think it's going to be it's going to be a real challenge for whoever takes over because of the the, the strict issues that we have to actually adhere to to manage an economy going forward thanks very much asif for joining the show as we come to the end and you know give sharing your opinion um you can continue this on uh twitter on our uh, at voice of islam and also you can catch up on the show uh later on during the week or on soundcloud thank you very much asif and i uh, look forward to talking to you on next show peace be upon you peace be with you